Hey, I am, I am, I am really excited about the message today. I think it, there's so much truth in here, and if there's a good truth that comes forth, just give me a yes. That's good. Amen. It just helps me uh, even more. But uh, we have been talking about foundations, and let me, let me kind of, for you that are new, let me kind of tell you why this is so vital to the life of our church and to us. Um, I, I believe we live in a day, hear my statement, you stand for nothing, you will fall for everything. And I think we're living in a day where people don't know what they believe, they don't know what they stand for, and thus anything that comes down the pike, a philosophy, a cultural uh, movement, or a trend, then all of a sudden they're thinking that must be truth, and, they're, and it's because they have not been grounded in foundational things. And this is many people who, who say they're followers of Jesus. They may have made a decision for Christ, but nowhere along the line did anybody really explain to them what, what really is the truth. And so we talked about... Who is God? That sounds like a great place to start. There is but one God. He is the Creator God. He has expressed Himself in three expressions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He is the only God. And so we talked about that. And then we talked about who is Jesus. Uh, because if this is who... No, then we talked about who is man. Because if this is God, who are we? Uh, we are the crowning glory of His creation, which is crazy when we look at one another. But, but we were created in the image of God. We were the image bearers. Now, I know when Adam and Eve sinned and then we broke, the, we, we followed right in suit with that, our image got marred, and, and thus we don't reflect a good image, but we are still that creation, created being. And then we talk about who is Jesus, and along comes Jesus, the perfect, fully God, fully man, the one who comes along and who redeems us in such a way that now we can be restored as those image bearers that He created us to be. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come. He said, I didn't come to, serve, to be served, but to serve. And I came to give my life as a ransom. And that's what He did for us so that we could be restored. And so today, you would think, okay, now He's going to talk about who's the Holy Spirit. That, that will come. Today, I want to talk about what is the kingdom of God. Because, because this is throughout Scripture. And, and see, we, we always are enamored with kingdoms, even though we don't have a king in our country. When anything happens in England or someplace where they have a king, we want to know about it. Oh, man, they're dating. They're, they're, this, is, this is the one that's in, next in line. This is what's happening. They're, oh, another prince is born. And so we get all excited about that because we love kingdom kind of stuff. But it's not in our DNA as a country here to have kings. But yet we talk about it in Scripture. And, and Jesus said, I have come... You know, the, the kingdom of God is among you, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What does that mean? I mean, we talk about this kingdom stuff, but we're, we're thrown off on what that really means. But in biblical times, especially in the New Testament, they had a, and they had a really good knowledge of kingdoms. Now, let me give, give you some pictures here so you'll see them. First of all, we think about Rome being in Italy, right? Rome, the expansion of the Roman Empire had taken from Italy, had gone up north. It had gone all the way through Europe. It was expressing itself into Asia. had spread far as, as uh, the Great Britain of what we know now. It had become immense. And what they did was, is that when you would have a, a colony or a town that would be built or a city that would develop somewhere, let's say Caesarea or up in Ephesus or these towns, these colonies that would exist, what they would do is, is their architecture and everything would resemble what it resembled in, in Rome, okay? So the Jews would be looking at this and say, oh, here come the Romans again, because their architecture, they start building this grandiose stuff. And the reason they did that, this is cool, is if Caesar ever decided to visit there, he would feel at home because he would see the architecture and it would resemble Rome. 
Now, this is a great picture. You ready for this one? Jesus told us to pray how? Thy kingdom come. And I think what this is a beautiful picture is that we want our lives to reflect Christ in such a way that He is at home within us, just like the king would be at home in that city. Isn't that a great picture? But but that is what they would see. And so the Romans would see that and say, oh, there's the Romans again. There's the Romans again. They would see that kingdom being expanded. But in the Old Testament, throughout prophecy, the Jew would hear that, hey, there is a kingdom coming. There is going to be a king that is coming. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is going to come. But this is what they thought. He is going to come to earth, and what he is going to do is he's going to restore an earthly kingdom. He's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to reestablish the rule of, of, of God as the earthly king, and that's what he is coming to do. And so here comes Jesus along, and they're thinking, man, maybe this is the king. So what does it mean to be the kingdom of God? So I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17, and, and let me read some scripture, and this will help make sense a little bit. But then we're going to come back and talk about what in the world does this mean to you and me today? What, what does this have to do with us and how we're living it out? And I, I, I believe that by the time we come to the end today, you're going to be challenged in, in, in life change that's going to be great. So Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And uh, I'm just going to stop at 25, Jeff, uh, at, at this time. Verse 20 in chapter 17 says this, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, there it is, he's being asked by the religious, religious leaders, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Now what he is saying, that word observed in the Greek actually means it cannot be predicted or it cannot be an outward showing. That's That's not what is going to be observed about this, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because get this part, end of verse 21, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. What Jesus is saying is, listen, I am the kingdom. The kingdom is with you right now, and it's in me. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Let me stop there. Here's what they were looking for. The Jews were looking for a king that was going to come and make life comfortable again. He was going to come. He's going to throw the Romans away. Now we're not going to have to pay taxes to them. It's going to be more about us. We're going to be comfortable. He's going to bring peace. He's going to do this rule on earth. And this is what we need. We need him to come and to make life more peaceful and more comfortable for me right here. And we look at that and say, ah, oh, you know, that's not that big a deal. That's what they were looking for. However, that's not why Jesus came. You see, Jesus knew that their biggest need was not to have earthly comfort. Their biggest need was that their heart was deceived and deceptive and broken and in rebellion. And they needed their heart fixed. And I know that we are here and saying, well, okay, Mark, we've heard that many times. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet says this. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so we see it in Scripture, even in the Old Testament. It was their heart that needed fixed. And I know we're sitting here to say, oh, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. But let me tell you, we're not far from where the Jews were in their search. We look for things to make our world more easy. I want the government to fix this. I want somebody to fix this. I want somebody to fix this so that my, I want less taxes. Why? So my life is more comfortable. We think it's all about us. So we think we want to revolve everything around us. And it was the same thing they were looking for. And Jesus came, and if he were standing here today, he says, listen, I didn't come to make all your life more comfortable. I came because your heart was in a rebellion against your Creator, and you needed a Redeemer. You needed your heart fixed. And so... The Scripture says that I have come to, to put, take away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. So poor people need a heart fix. Wealthy people need a heart fix. Thieves and murderers need a heart fix. Good moral people need a heart fix. Haitians, Romanians, Africans, Chinese, Americans all need a heart fix. Baby boomers, Gen Xers, Gen Yers, millennials all need a heart fix. Government can't fix it. Money can't fix it. Relationships can't fix it. Pleasure can't fix it. Substance can't fix it. Religion can't fix it. Only Jesus Christ alone. And He came to establish a kingdom of individuals who have, who have hearts that have been put back in right relationship with God. So we think, okay, okay, Mark, the Jews were off base in what they were looking for with a king. Listen, one day Jesus is going to return and He is going to establish that kingdom. But, but right now, it is, he says, the kingdom is with you. It is me. As long as you're on this planet, folks, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through hard times. But let me tell you, he came to fix your heart. So there's two incredible points that I want to make out of this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to be sharing with you other Scripture, and I want you to see. Number one is this. You can write this down. God's kingdom is now and not yet. God's kingdom is both now and not yet. In 1978 a candy company came out with a little piece of candy, a taffy candy called Now and Later. And it still exists today, and some of you love them today. I thought Now and Later meant you start eating it now and it'll still be in your teeth later because that taffy. Or it could be pay for a little piece of candy now and pay your dentist much later. Now and Later is what it is. But Now and Later, later the reason I came up with the name was it, originally it was in little bars. You would take a bite off and then you would have some for later. They would say, eat some now. And then eat some later. That's the way the kingdom is. It is now, God has established it now through Jesus Christ, but there is still a later, it is now and not yet. It is still yet to come. And I want to try to make this make sense to you a little bit. You see, man is, is by sin, is in rebellion against God. However, when you come by faith to Christ, there's a transformation that actually occurs and our hearts are no longer in rebellion, but we're brought into right relationship with Christ. Are we perfect? No. Do we still act out in certain ways? Most certainly. I mean, we all do. But yet God is in this process of He is at work within us, and this transformation comes, and God is at work. However, this new nature is now there. Um, Romans 8.11, I love this verse. It tells me this that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. This is what happens when you come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not some religious moment, but I'm talking about a transforming, God save me, forgive me kind of transformation moment. There is an exchange that takes place of your old life for the new life in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, when somebody says eternal life, don't be thinking about living forever. Think about the presence of God in you right now. Okay? Eternal life starts when you make that decision. Is there, is there still a lot of growth? Oh, yeah. Good night, yeah. Let me share with you some of the benefits, just three quick benefits of right, the right now of the kingdom. Number one is this, peace with God. Now, that may sound strange to say peace with God, because don't you mean we mark the peace of God? We've got to live it out. Don't you mean the peace of God? I mean peace with God, because you see, you were in rebellion against God. Now, but through what Jesus Christ has done, you've been brought near so that now you have peace with God. And because of you have peace with God, now you have the peace of God. That means that you begin to be content in all situations. Life is screwy. It's out of control. You've been fired. You have cancer. Your kids are going nuts. You can still have the peace of God in the midst of that. Peace of peace with God that leads to the peace of God. That is part of the kingdom right now. The second one is this. You have purpose. Remember when you were created? I said that you were created for God's good pleasure to bring glory unto Him alone. Now, when you come to the point of a relationship with Jesus Christ, His kingdom, what happens is, is now your life regains its purpose. You now come back to that image bearer that He created you to be. It's about Him. It's that image bearer of who He is. So now you have peace with God, which leads to peace of God. You have purpose. Here's one more. You have His presence. You have His presence. This is part of the kingdom life right now. You have His presence with you. Listen, I, I don't know what all of you are going through. I know what most of you are going through. Some of you are going through some things that are you're questioning. You don't know what to do. Uh, some of you are going through health issues. Some of you, it's just great life right now. Your kids are great. Everything's, you're trying to keep the, everything together. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through right now, God is with you. His presence is with you. And let me tell you, that gets you through a lot of days just to know that He cares and He is with you. That is part of the now. But what about the not yet? I don't think I have to talk about that much. We talk about heaven all the time. We, we talk about it. We read the Scriptures. We see it about that God is going to one day establish a kingdom, but there is a kingdom right now that if you and I were to step out of these earth suits, we're going to step into the presence of the Lord. We believe that. We believe that there's a kingdom where, where it's there. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say, okay? Because this is going to step on some toes. You know, we talk about what the Islamic faith believes. And somebody straps a bomb on themselves that's a jihadist. And uh, he says that he's doing this for God so that he can get these virgins and get all of this stuff in the afterlife. That's why he's doing it. And we think, ah, oh, how, how silly is that? Listen, I know some Christians that aren't far from that on their view of heaven. The only thing that excites them about heaven is that there's no more sickness, no more dying. They're going to have comfort and they're going to have peace. That's all they're thinking heaven is about. I want you to know something. Heaven is actually not about you. It's about the king. 
So if you're thinking that heaven is just some place where I'm not going to have problems anymore, you have missed it. It's about the king. It's all about the king. There was a pastor who who uh, pastored in a small town, and he had a dog, and everywhere he went, the dog went with him. They, everybody in the small town knew it. We happened to have uh, one of his church members who was in his last days of life, and they had him in a, in a room at his house, upstairs in a room, and the pastor went went there to see the man. And he told his dog, stay downstairs. So he went up the stairs, closed the door, went in with the man, began to talk with him. The man started sharing his heart of doubt and struggles about the afterlife and what was to come. Because you see, all that, to be honest with you, all that little personal stuff that we think is about us kind of fades at that moment of stepping out of here. And all of a sudden, the pastor's trying to think, what can I share with him that's going to increase his faith? And all of a sudden, he hears a scratch on the door. And uh, he's thinking, oh, man, the dog wants in. And so, uh, he, you know, the guy, the guy says, that's your dog. He said, I know it's my dog. And all of a sudden, he had a thought. He said, you know something? He said, my dog is out there. Did you know my dog doesn't have a clue what's in this room? He doesn't know what's on this room. He doesn't know anything in this room. He doesn't want in this room because of anything in this room except for one thing that's in this room, and that's me. That's the only reason he wants to be in here. Folks, I want you to know the thing about heaven is not about all the pluses for us. It is because the king is there. It is because the creator of all mankind is there. It's the one that gave his life as a ransom for all mankind. It, that is what heaven is about. And so the next time you want to start laughing at somebody that's talking about, oh, the afterlife and all this perks for them, let me tell you, the perk for us is that King Jesus is there. And that's what we have to live with. We need to hang on to that. So it is, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, the Scriptures tell us there's not going to be death, there's not going to be dying, there's not going to be any more tears. But it's because of the King that it's going to be that way. So now, the kingdom is now, but the kingdom is still not yet. Here's the next thing that I want you to write down is this. Christ followers begin living lives as citizens of God's kingdom now. We, we start living lives as though we belong somewhere else. Um, in other words, our citizenship is somewhere else. We, we're still here, but yet our citizenship is, is, is set eternally with the Lord. First Peter 2.11, in fact, Peter in, in um, the Scriptures says that we are strangers and aliens, pilgrims here, passing through. That's basically what he says. But I love the way Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible put it. And I'm going to put it on the screen just so that you can see it. This is what Eugene Peterson, how he took 1 Peter 2.11 and 12 and, and, and broke it down. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when He arrives. Isn't that a good way of looking at it? Don't get too cozy here. I mean, you're passing through. This is, this is a pass-through kind of, kind of thing. Now, we have to live here. We have to be here. We, uh, but yet there is something internal and eternal that lets us know this is not our home. In fact, the Scriptures say that this is going to be such a temptation that in John's letter, 1 John, 
He said this, 1 John 2. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And the reason that he is saying that is not to get on to you like, man, you're, you're, you're just loving the world too much. I, I think sometimes we read the Scriptures, there's a harshness into it. It's always the love of God that's coming forward. And what he is saying is, listen, the tighter you cling to this earth, the less you're going to see your love for me. It's just, this world is going to, it's like, you know, I mean, we still do it with our grandkids and and uh, you, you did it with your kids. My parents did it with me. Don't eat all that sugar. It's going to ruin your dinner. And sure enough, it would ruin your dinner and, and, and because it would cut your appetite from what you really needed. And I think that's what John's getting across. Listen, if you keep snacking on this world, you're going to lose what is really eternal. So don't be snacking on this world all the time. Don't cling so tightly to this world because it's going to be such a temptation. But i got to admit... The longer I'm here, there seems to be this, this pull that I'm not from here. I, I love to read the news. I, I just like to keep up with current events. I like to know what's going on. So when I read the news, the news headlines, though, I'm thinking, I don't belong here. The more I read them, I, and, and, and the older I get, I guess, I, I just read them and I'm thinking, we're sick, man. Everybody's angry at something. There's this venom that's just under the surface that we're just looking for something that just to be angry at and to take it out on somebody. And I'm thinking, I don't belong here, man. This is just not home. In fact, Paul told Timothy, I want to read this scripture to you, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He said this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Listen, that stuff just describes today. And I'm just thinking, man. When uh, when my stepdad was passing in May, uh, up there at the room with him, you know he's, he's you know that semi-conscious, unconscious kind of stupor kind of thing that that many people get in with the morphine and you know all that's going on. And uh, this this group of young people come in to sing, and they they're people that have really had had uh, really fallen in love with with my mom and dad, and and. Uh, and they're there, and they're just going to, one of them's got a guitar, and they're just going to sing. And, and they're there just with that special, holy, it's holy moment. You know, for you that have been there, you know, it's holy moment. And, and what did they start singing? They started singing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And, man, I thought, it was like a, a fresh breath just came in. It was like, you know, that's right, man. If we could just focus on what is eternal instead of what is, is so temporary and fading, then, then, then we, see, we see things differently in the light of His glory and His grace. So we as Christ followers, we want to live lives exemplary of where our true home is. Yeah, we're going to have to live here. But I, I really believe this. I believe Christ followers ought to be the best citizens 
ought to be the best employees, ought to be the best employers, ought to be the best uh, health professionals, ought to be the best attorneys, ought to be the best educators, ought to be the best students. I really believe Christ followers ought to excel at these things. Well, why? If it's not about money, it's not about power, it's not about prestige, what it's about, it's about the king. We want to represent him well. Ambassadors. What are ambassadors? Ambassadors are people from one country that represent that country in another place. We are but his ambassadors here. Let me, let me share one other thing about, about the kingdom, and then I'll, I'll wrap this up. I read this the other day in Mark chapter 12. And please, if you've heard nothing else, I say please hear the severity of what I'm about to share with you. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, it says this. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. These people have been questioning Jesus on everything. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him. So you see the setting. This guy has kind of waited for the crowd to dissipate. And now he steps up to ask Jesus this question. He asked him this question. He said, of all the commandments, he said, which is the most important? And Jesus said this, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Him any more questions. He said, You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. That can either be the most encouraging or the most condemning statement you could ever hear. For the person that's searching desperately for Jesus to say, you're almost there, you're almost there, you almost got it, then there is encouragement and there's hope. But for the one that has sat in church forever and done all the religious activities, and for Jesus to say, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven, but you're not in. You see how that can be so encouraging but so condemning. Here, here's, here's my deal. Jesus makes it very clear that there is an entryway into the kingdom. He, he, he doesn't say, in fact, you can, you can just write that down, that God's kingdom has an entrance. Just, be, just because you were earthly born does not mean you are part of God's kingdom. Hear that. Just because you were earthly born does not mean you're part of God's kingdom. We live in a day where everybody thinks all dogs go to heaven. Everybody that's born is necessarily going to eternal kingdom with God. No! No! Jesus makes it clear that there is an entrance. He says you are not far from it, which leads you to know that there is an entryway. So if all people are not allowed to enter who is able to enter you only enter through faith in christ alone now somebody's gonna say mark that is so restrictive don't you think there are many ways no if i didn't believe that i I would not put my stake my life on the scriptures 
And my heart is not to say, we got it and you don't got it. No, my heart says, this is the truth and I want you to know it. And, and, and here's my deal. If somebody, if somebody knows the answer, I don't want them to say, well, you go down here and you go down here and you go down here. Or let me guide you, let me point out the directions. No, Jesus was bold enough to say, listen, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father. In other words, nobody comes into the kingdom except through me. Please hear that. But let me tell you, if that creates an arrogance in you, I would be concerned. That ought to create something in you that says, God, you love me so much. Help me to love you more, but help me to let other people know about this. The only entrance is through Christ alone. But here's the third point. Jesus will one day return to establish His kingdom forever. There is going to be a culmination of history. Oh, Mark, you're just dreaming. No, stake, stake my foundation on it. That one day Christ will return to establish His kingdom forever. God's kingdom has an entrance. The entrance is through faith in Christ alone. He paid the price. He is the only way. And Jesus will one day return to establish His kingdom forever. Last thought. In the 1850s, in Australia, they had a a huge gold rush that happened. And in this huge gold rush, the city of Victoria exploded from 77,000 people to 540,000 in just a real short period of time. And they started talking about what created this explosion of growth. And they said what created the explosion of growth during this gold rush was the excitement and the exuberance of the people. And I started thinking, what if Central, the churches of Round Rock, the the churches of America, the churches just began living what they really believe about the kingdom and started living like they represent as ambassadors the King of all kings. What if that truly was taking place? What if the exuberance and the excitement of that we have a king that's eternal and that his very presence lives inside of us and this is what has made the difference in my life and I want to love you and I want to show you his grace and his mercy and I want you to know him too. What if truly Central and other churches really started living what we really believe about the kingdom? Would we not see an uptick in people saying, I've got to have that. I've got to have that. It's so convicting to me because I asked two questions this morning. Number one is this. Are you part of the kingdom? I don't, I'm not saying, are you coming to church? Have you done all the religious acts? I mean, truly, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your eternity? Has your rebellion been broken and now you're at peace with God because of Jesus Christ? How, are you part of His kingdom? And then the second question is this for you that are kingdom bearers is this, are you living an exemplary life that would make people, other people want to be a part of the kingdom? See, that is convicting to me. That is so convicting, especially when people say that, that, the, that the church membership and church attendance just continues to drop and continues to drop in our nation. And I've and I got to wonder why. And it's because we started living for little kingdoms instead of the big kingdom. 
And it's about Him. It's about Him. People don't want to know another organization. They want to know that King Jesus is real. And how are they going to know if we don't bear His image? Let's pray.